So do you know what we're going to talk about today? Did you read the text I sent you? I, I read the text you sent me and I, I watched the video you sent me. Did you? Okay, good. I did. I we're did. I didn't know why about... you were spoiling it, but. <laughs> you wanted but I... to know. Was... I, well, I know, but I was just teasing. <laughs> no, you always want to know. I you do. hate right. it when I surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> I like to read ahead. You're you right. Do. <laughs> so we're talking today about sugar gliders. Yay. Yay. It's Cassie and Karina and we're at it again, sharing cool facts about our animal friends. We make stupid jokes and we laugh a lot, but we also like to learn, so give us a shot. We'll talk about snails and their tweezer teeth, or gush about our love of manatees. We'll tell you why owls are so scary to us, and there's tons more critters that we'll discuss. We promise to make sure you'll have a blast, because you're listening to CritterCast. What's up? Poor time to drink water. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to CritterCast episode 63. I'm Cassie. I'm Karina. And we're we, your co-hosts. We are. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Man, we are out of practice, even though we've been doing this more often. It's fine. It's fine. We are indeed your co-hosts of CritterCast, a podcast for the love of animals. Here we talk about the wacky, wild, wonderful world of animals, one critter at a time wincingly wondering <laughs> nope you already said wondering i know we see, wander so... through the wondrous wacky world there you go see <laughs> we keep trying to add w words and it's just like not happening no. they're just like it but, which out. is fine we have our three we're good um here at CritterCast, we are not animal experts but we do love to learn yep we're real good at research uh we think we like to think so at least right, right. and karina's an expert in some animals uh, definitely not most of the animals we talk about <laughs> um but it's lots of fun we are unscripted if you could not tell already and uh we we pride ourselves in making you laugh and also helping you learn to love the animals you share this planet with yay so this animal that we're talking about this week has been requested multiple times but it's a special episode for my Dear Aunt Dale, who Wonderful. has a colleague, well, she's retired now, but when she uh, was working, she had a colleague who had a colony of sugar gliders, and she was really curious about how that worked and like everything about it. So I promised her we would eventually do an in-depth look at sugar gliders, and it has come to that blessed moment. That the blessed day, episode 63 is the episode. We the are episode. talking about sugar gliders and uh, and we've switched gears and we're back to swapping off research. So I'm excited to learn about sugar gliders today. I know what they look like. I know they are kept as pets in some places and frowned upon as pets in others. Accurate. In fact, illegal in others, but I yep. don't know those specifics. And I actually, other than guessing, God, I'm, I'm never guaranteeing this, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that they're mammals. Um, but aside from that, I mean, the details, it's, it's all up to you to educate us all, Cassie. Oh, yay. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what kind of mammals they are? Do you have a guess? It's um, both kind of obvious and kind of not. I like want to say either mm -hmm. marsupial or rodent. Yes, they are marsupials. There we go. Nailed My, it. I, I just, I love those marsupial friends of ours. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're very interesting little dudes. Um, like you, I knew a little bit about them, but not, not a ton, not as much as I wanted to know. So I was really excited to learn more about them. Have you ever seen a sugar glider? I have. They, they look like little chipmunks with wings. Yes. Um, so, but also tails. Yeah, they have tails. That's yes. right. And they're, they're longish tails, but they're not crazy, crazy long. So when you're thinking of sugar gliders, you might also be picturing things like lemurs. You might be picturing things like, um, oh, what else? Eye eyes, you know, all sorts of other. I don't know, man. Eye eyes. I, I really don't think of anything else when I think of an eye eye. It's the eyes on the eye eye. Yes. The eye <laughs> eyes have it. <laughs> I'm so funny. You're funny too, Hilarious. but I'm really funny. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so they are um, from Australia regularly, okay. but they have become an increasingly common exotic pet imported to other countries. Um, they're not illegal to import, 
they're not illegal to own in the majority of the U.S. or in the majority of other countries, um, although you will find some random countries here and there and some random states here and there and even some random cities here and there that have banned them. For example, you cannot own a sugar glider in California. Sorry, friend. This is not surprising to me. California is it's strict in many places like axolotls which we talked about before um which really makes no sense to me what like but then not strict in other places like you can (laughs) legally own large reptiles like large dangerous reptiles um like monitors but i can't have a little axolotl in a tank okay ridiculous give me my axolotl i'll help with the conservation efforts Exactly. It's, it's, it's kind of nonsensical, but you know what? I am a law abiding citizen. So I will just follow the rules. That's right. But you know, you can't have a ferret here. And I do understand that a little bit more, but man, are they cute? Are we missing out? So So I actually find ferrets and sugar gliders to, to have like a lot of things in common as far as like why they're banned or just like, Mm -hmm. and as them as pets. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yep. then yep. teach me about them because I find ferrets adorable, but I would never want one. So yeah. I think you're going to feel the same way about sugar gliders. I, that's how good. I feel too. I'm okay. happy to uh, learn about them. I would be very happy to see them at a zoo. Um, a lot of zoos in California do have colonies of sugar gliders that are part of their animal ambassador programs. Like the um, San Diego Zoo has mm-hmm. a, a really great colony that are their animal ambassadors. So mm-hmm that's, that's about the extent of contact that I would like to have with sugar gliders. Yeah. Like I'd like to hold one, but not be responsible for keeping one alive and happy. Exactly. Yeah. It's like how I feel about babies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think you're going to find some other similarities. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) So their scientific name is Petaurus breviceps, breviceps. Oh, I did so good on the first one. And then I just died. (laughs) I feel like that's, you know what? And you went with it. You just committed and you said it. So that's it. That's the scientific name. Thank you. That's it. That's it now. (laughs) They are mammals. You were indeed right about that. But some people might not be, you know, aware of this or their minds might not go to this immediately, but they're also omnivores. So they- yeah, they eat a lot of fresh fruit and veggies, but they also definitely need their high protein that they get from animal matter. Yeah, in the wild, is that like insects and invertebrates and maybe even like lizards and frogs and... And eggs and... Eggs. Nestlings, yeah. yes. Oh, they're yeah. eating the baby birds. Okay, yeah. I see you. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I feel like just in owning a species from Australia, my blue tongue skank, and in the number of animals that we talked about from Australia, I'm like not surprised at all when most Australian animals are just kind of scavengers that will like right. trash can't eat anything. Yeah. With the exception of koalas who are like, I have the one specific thing that yes. nothing else wants. And exactly. I eat that. And I but, only eat that and I'm going to be right. real picky about it. But like everything else is kind of just like, I'm put it in my mouth and right. I'll just chew and swallow. <laughs> and if it's you, yeah, I still might do it. Like give chew me your and, finger. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> they do live in groups. They're very, very social. And we'll, we'll return to that multiple times throughout our in-depth discussion of them. Their group name is a colony. Uh, they, in the wild, they live on average from three to nine years, but in captivity, they live an average of 12 years and up to 15 years. Nice. Yeah. I love that. I love seeing the numbers. Unlike our last episode when we were talking about chickens, poor chickens. I love being able to see that if we, if when kept in captivity, we can help rather than hinder a species. Totally. Absolutely. They are pretty small. They're about 6.3 to 8.3 inches long. Um, so their size has been compared to about baseball sized. Okay. Okay. Cause <laughs> Imagine I, holding a baseball in your hand. Right. Wait, I come on me and my non-sports, um, uh, non-athletic persona right. can't really imagine, but mm-hmm. I have seen and touched a baseball. So the size comparison is appreciated. Good. I'm glad you're welcome. They weigh about 4.1 to 5.6 ounces. Now, ounces wise, you should be able to put that into context from kittens. right. That is that is <laughs> less than half a pound. 
that is very light. Mm-hmm. Especially for an like a baseball weighs usually at least a pound. Yeah. No, they are so very, light. very light. Ooh, they would light as a bird. Floof. Well, Lighter than a bird. Because they, they got to glide. What? Right? Yes. We'll okay. talk about that. Don't spoil oh. things. Okay. I okay. have a plan. <laughs> Stick to the plan. Got it. So background information. They're, um, oh, they are also found in New Guinea too. So mostly oh, okay. in Australia, so not but also just New Australia. Guinea. Nope, they're not. That's pretty interesting. To mm-hmm. Australia. Uh, okay. Uh. They're super social. They need to be with other sugar gliders like all the time. In the wild, they live in family groups or small colonies that number up to seven adults and all of their offspring. Although okay. the offspring do eventually leave that family group and go find their own family group. Oh, very well, you know, and so we're not, we're not talking like quite meerkat levels of group. No, but, no, but it's but a little still like a significant family. Definitely. They are largely nocturnal and rarely come down to the ground. So most of their lives are spent hanging out in the trees and finding shelter and food up among the leaves and, and the tree limbs. Oh, fancy, right. fancy things. They get their name from their penchant for eating sweet things in the forest, like akasha gum and eucalyptus sap and flower nectar. Ooh, I can that. I have a sweet tooth. <laughs> mm, I'm drinking some deliciously sweet tea right now. <laughs> so good. Uh, one thing that we might not find so sweet about them, however, is that, like I said earlier, they do enjoy snacking on the occasional bird egg and or baby bird I mean I don't find that not sweet we do the same thing the particular problem is that they really like this one endangered species mm. the swift parrot Mm -hmm. in Tasmania and that can be quite a threat to that particular species survival um boo for those poor endangered birds right yeah like maybe maybe find something else to eat y'all right there's there's other other there's other food options yeah go for the other choices don't you don't have to eat the endangered baby bird they they think they do and they don't really understand that argument right what are you gonna do like nature's just doing its thing yep yep so they are distinct looking they're real cute like super, super cute. If you haven't ever seen a, a sugar glider before and you're not doing anything involving heavy machinery right now, mm-hmm. then take a look. Yeah. Google it up, man. Take a look. You'll notice that they have a kind of really plush, soft gray fur over most of their body. That's actually similar in texture to a koala's fur. Okay. So if okay. you've ever wanted to know what a koala's fur is like, you could pet a sugar glider and get probably you have better access to a sugar glider than a koala probably not not necessarily but probably there's probably just one closer closer to you yeah yeah at a zoo or something yeah unless you live unless you live in australia then maybe you have pretty equal access i don't know that's absolutely true but also i believe that well i don't know they're they both have debatable temperaments (laughs) right you're like (laughs) to put it to put it nicely (laughs) yeah so they also have really creamy white belly fur um, and a dark ring, a set of dark ring around their eyes, and then a streak down their head that um, is like white and then a charcoal streak in the middle and a cute little boopable pink nose. That's why I kind of think of them as chipmunk like it's the it's the stripe yes. down the head and just like their overall rodenty features despite yeah. not in fact being a rodent yeah I can absolutely get behind that mm-hmm. but they're so cute probably cuter they're than chipmunks cute. I think I mean I think chipmunks are very cute too maybe we should do a poll oh yeah yeah I don't know if you're listening to this send us an email find us on social media let us know what do you think is cuter a sugar glider or a chipmunk right and prove it back up that opinion with some pictures please mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> for scientific research right it's for science (laughs) it's for research (laughs) they do like you said have a tail and their tails are are fluffy and kind of flat like if you look at them they they kind of have like the shape of a beaver tail Mm -hmm. uh, 
but they're covered in fur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, that tail does serve a purpose. They're somewhat prehensile. They're semi-prehensile. They can't support the sugar glider's whole weight. So they're not going to wrap the tail around a tree limb and then like hang off it or yeah. anything crazy like that. Mm-mm. But they can use it to pick things up. So they'll, they'll use it to carry leaves with them back to their nests that they use to line their nests. So their tails are prehensile like my toes are. Like occasionally yeah. I'll grip things on for stability. I can definitely pick things up, exactly. but I'm not going to rely on my toes if Although, I'm falling off something. Okay. But sometimes your toes do support your whole weight. Uh, well, yes, but yes. in a different way because <laughs> gravity helps them, you know, like with, <laughs> with the support of, of proper, um, Point shoes. Proper fitting shoes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hang off anything by my toes. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good call. <laughs> right. The sugar glider is not going to hang off anything with their tail, but they will hang off things with their toes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Their toes are a little bit stronger. <laughs> Clear that up. <laughs> <laughs> their tail is usually 1.5 times as long as their body is. So yeah. That makes sense. Good proportion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So about those toes. Oh boy. They got four feet. Okay. And five toes on each foot. Okay. Um, and one of those toes is a handy opposable toe on all four feet, just on its hind feet, just on the hind feet, but still that's almost weirder. Like, (laughs) well, it's like, um, like gorillas or like apes. Yeah. And yeah. Where like, it's, it's not like, I don't know. It's not like our hands on their feet. The thumb is farther down. Yeah. It's like our feet and our hands were swapped. Yeah. So like if ish, (laughs) it's it's like their back feet are a hybrid of our feet with our thumbs. So if you moved your toe down to like the middle of your, and made it longer, but, and made it longer and stronger. Yeah. Your big toe. Yeah. And you could, you could do more than just pick things up with it. You could yeah. hold yourself up to something with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and they need all of these specialized parts of their body in order to control their flight, their limbs, their tail, their torso. They are all involved with helping them launch themselves and fly and soar and then gracefully land with all four feet splayed out onto a tree limb. Mm-hmm. Yes, I said fly. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, would I call it flying? Maybe not, but you know, I mean, it's a little bit more than gliding for sure. Yes, it totally is. Actually, I, they they do glide, but they can really direct those glides mm-hmm. to such a degree that I it, it's not like how we would glide if we. Right. You're, we, they're not at the mercy of the wind. Pattern, <laughs> exactly. But they're also not able to like flap and travel yes. distances. Well, no, they can travel distances. Okay. This is what gets me. Okay. So the way that they fly quote unquote, is mm-hmm. they have a soft membrane between their wrists and their ankles. It's called a patagium patagium. I don't know. It's Latin, but anyway, it's a soft flappy membrane that when they kind of like I'm making a gesture here. Yeah, I, I see. Well, to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when they spread their limbs out, that turns their body into a parachute. Mm-hmm. So they can glide from tree to tree as though they were using something like a parachute. And with that, they can float on the air for a distance that's up to nearly the width of a football field. I mean, yeah, that's like, it's far. It's farther than a chicken. It's yes. That, like they it is can, farther than it. Whoa. That's, but crazy. a chicken is, but a chicken is flightless. So it's kind True. of cheating. True. I just, I just mean that in my head, I don't think I could ever grasp it as flying. Because, no, they got to start at one solid point and then end at a solid. Right. Point. It's they not can't. like, it's not like a bird where they Mm-mm. could like keep going. But I think, I think we'll call it soaring. Yeah. Like, I think, that's I think it's a little bit more than a glide because it's got more distance. So I'll call it a soar sugar yeah. soarers, but you know what? <laughs> that doesn't ring. I see it why doesn't. they, I see why yeah. it's gliding. I Some see. people do call sugar gliders, sugar bears, which is cute, but makes me want to pop their heads off and eat them. Oh no. So I'm going to oh, say it's sugar gliders. I didn't think that's where you were going to go with that. I'm sorry. A trigger uh, warning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As though they were like little say- candy gummy bears. That's what sugar bears. Okay. Right? Got Sounds it. Sounds like something that 
you would call a suite in England or something. I was going to say it just, it just adds to the confusion. Like why does everybody want everything to be a bear? Because they do the same, they did the same thing with koalas. Like I think it's better now, but when I grow up, it was very common to refer to them as koala bears. Mm -hmm. And like, they're not though. Not everything is a whale or a bear. It doesn't have to be like killer or a shark. (laughs) Like it doesn't, they don't all have to be that. Nope. It's okay. <laughs> marsupial marsupials. Like it's it's always Make the marsupials. marsupials visible. What if somebody said kangaroo bear? How stupid would they look? That sounds pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um let me tell you about how they can direct those flights. So they use their their big eyes. They have a really wide range of, of vision because they have those big round eyes. And so they can um kind of like triangulate where they want to, where they're beginning and where they want to land. And then they will use their, their arms and their hands and their head and adjust the tension in their wings. And they'll even use their tail as kind of a rudder. All right. Right. So they can kind of like swim through the air. It's like a, maybe we should call them sugar fish. It's like, maybe it's like how the platypus had all those special features for moving through the water, but they have those for moving through the air. Exactly. Yep. And it's really cool that when, when they're getting ready to launch the way that they triangulate is they start bobbing their heads around so that they can get a good sense of where they're at and like what the wind is like and Mm -hmm. how far things are from each other so that they can kind of like get a sense of the distance and the glide ratios. Pretty cute, huh? I mean, they're cute no matter what they do, so but cute. you know, a little dance never hurt nobody. Ah, oh. yes, I want it. Uh, okay. Now we need to get a TikTok channel so that we can like come just up make with a little, a sugar glider dance. Yeah. <laughs> and in the oh, background, I want it. Go, a little glide and never hurt nobody. <laughs> And they'll just, it'll just be random head bobbing, like challenge, accepted. and then uh, yeah. and then overlaid with the with yes. the video of what you sent me earlier. Perfect, I love it. Do it. New new assignment for you. Perfect. Get to work. We'll do. <laughs> <laughs> so they live in wooded areas with open forest, um, and they are nocturnal, as I said. And if it's really cold for a long amount of time, or if there's not a ton of food available, then they might go into torpor for up to 16 hours per day to conserve energy. Which is a a form of hibernation slash brumation that we've talked about previously with storm petrels. So that's interesting. They also are prey animals, of course, because they're, they're small and I'm assume they're tasty, particularly to owls and snakes. I mean, them owls be murderers. They'll so. eat whatever they can. You know? <laughs> I mean, but yeah, it's a small mammal. So that's an owl's yeah. favorite snacky. Well, and especially if they're up in the trees, right where the owls are like, Oh, Hey, I'm taking a nap, but I see you right over there. I'm going to come get you. Yeah. You snack. And there are many snakes that people tend to think of snakes as like so arboreal and, or as so terrestrial and like being on the ground, but many, many snakes spend time up in trees, even snakes that you don't think of, um, you know, corn snakes sometimes are just like hanging out up in trees. Yeah. They're not supposed to be like arboreal snakes, but there's no one told snacks up there. Okay. There's, there's small animals and, and eggs and birds up in the trees. So you gotta go where the good stuff is. Exactly. Yep. Yep. They do have a couple of defense mechanisms. Okay. They, they will use their leaping and soaring skills to escape as right. necessary. Right. Because a snake cannot fly after them. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> An owl, I mean, you know. <laughs> right. But the owl might be like, eh, I'm over Not it. Not worth it. I yeah. go after something else and go find a mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, they also do this cool thing called crabbing. Ah, you have sent me a video of this Yes, I have. So this is crab as in like the crustacean crabbing. This is something that they do to scare off predators. They also do it when they're um, afraid or stressed when they're in captivity. So you can definitely tell if your pet sugar glider is not having it with you today. So veterinarian Teresa Bradley Bays explains that crabbing is 
assuming a defensive posture by standing up on their hind legs with their head extended and their mouth open. And if they're really frightened, they might lie down on their back with the feet up in the air while vocalizing. And can you hear what they what they sound like? I, I was gonna I was getting ready to play an audio okay. clip and that's why it cut you off earlier so rudely. Oh, but over insert audio clip now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's an That'd odd noise. It. Yeah. If I was picking up my sandwich and it's laid down on its back and kicked its feet up in the air and made that sound, I would drop the heck out of that sandwich it's, and definitely uh, not eat it. It's right. You're like, is this thing poison? Um, <laughs> it's it's like that SNL skit. Uh, what is it? The Oh, the welcome to hell where she's like, when somebody's following me, I just put my arm up over my, uh, yeah. I put my arm up over my face and go, Aah! and he'll be like, <laughs> It's not worth it. Not worth it. <laughs> exactly. That's their mechanism. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's a really good kind of overall motto for sugar gliders is they're awesome. They're cute. They're very cool. They're not worth the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not worth they're it. They're not worth the trouble to eat. And they are, they're high maintenance to catch and to eat and they're high maintenance to keep as pets. So <laughs> like maybe they're not worth it. Mm-hmm. You got to decide for yourself, but also like, whoo, <laughs> right. So, um, okay. I wanted to tell you a couple more things about their family life before we mm-hmm. get to talking to whether or not people might find them to be a good pet for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they, it plays into it. Like oh, them being, sure. them being super social creatures yes. already. That's a big red flag. Yeah. How many you want to have, man? Yeah. Like- because you have to have multiple. You cannot have just one or they will die. Hmm. it's just going to happen much it's sad much sad so they they communicate with each other they have a couple of different methods of communicating much like meerkats uh scent is a really big one so mm-hmm. they have a complex chemical communication system that's based on the smells that they are that they make out of multiple glands um frontal sternal and urogenital glands um and then by pouch and urogenital urogenital glands from females mm-hmm so according to the San Diego Zoo, each animal has his or her own signature scent. And that's what the other um, sugar gliders in the colony use to recognize it. But also when they're in a colony, the dominant male actively marks his group members with his saliva and by using the scent glands on his chest and forehead. So mm-hmm. they can kind of always tell whether or not a sugar glider belongs to their colony. Ah, so it's mm-hmm. not just like you have your scent, but everybody has to wear the same perfume. Exactly. We're yes. like wearing matching t-shirts on Wednesday. When you go into crowded places. Scent glands. On every day we wear pink scents. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they also communicate with a wide variety of vocalizations. They yap, bark, buzz, drone, hiss, and even scream. And oh, I- not surprised. <laughs> nope. <laughs> When they're talking to other sugar gliders, mostly they'll make a barking sound. Um, And if they have bonded really well with a human, they'll bark at that human as well. Oh, they might also hiss and the hiss can mean different things. So you kind of have to take um, that hiss into context. It doesn't necessarily mean like with a cat, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're scared or pissed off. It might mean other things too. Right. If you're not a sugar glider. You don't speak their language. Don't pretend right. to be fluent. Don't make those assumptions. Okay. Just ask. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe back off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when they're happy, they might even make a purring sound. That's like a cat's purr, but much softer. Yeah. I mean, I could imagine at the size that they are, they mm. couldn't possibly have that like full motor going, you know? Mm-hmm. No, like but I bet it's real dang purr. Yes. Like like a little kitten purr that's just starting to, starting to learn how to purr. I don't know, man. Some kitten purrs are intense. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Kittens <laughs> and sugar gliders. Oh, animals purring. I love it. <laughs> so they nest in their groups. They like to be really close together with each other. And they usually um, are in family groups, like I said, and they are usually all related or descended from an original colonizing pair. Mm-hmm. But um, when youngsters are about 10 to 12 months, they'll usually leave their natal group and go and join another group nearby. All right. um, 
they groom each other a lot that helps to keep their fur clean but it also really solidifies their bonds and relationships mm-hmm. keeps their scents all intermingled yep, exactly um and since they are marsupials the female sugar gliders do have a pouch and they'll have uh four teats in their pouch so they mm-hmm. can uh raise one or two baby joeys Oh, so cute. cute. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can I you imagine so how tiny. tiny I was getting so tiny. <laughs> I just, I bet that they are literally like they could fit on your little fingertip. Like pinky nail. Oh, so yeah. cute. No. <laughs> okay. So cute. We've come to the part where I asked this question. They're so cute. I want one. Can I have one? And, and as you've already discussed where we live, no. No, that's just a no right there. Unless you're trying to be sneaky and illegal, and which don't do I that. do not advise. Nope, that gets you into all critter sorts cast of does not advice officially. <laughs> no, <laughs> not critter cast approved. Critter cast <laughs> unapproved. Yeah, uh, but for many other people, yeah, like maybe you can. They are legal exotic pets in many countries, including most of the U.S. except for states like California and Alaska, and. Some cities have banned them as well. Like um, I believe St. Paul, Minnesota has banned them and New York City has banned them. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it would be a terrible pet to have in New York City. Oh, for sure. You don't don't even have the space in your tiny, tiny, like shared by four people. I'm also going to assume that they're banned in Hawaii because pretty much everything is banned in Hawaii. Yeah, for sure. So check your, check your local laws, right? Yeah. and with every exotic animal, the question here, it's not so much, can I, but should I? Exactly. Is it right for me? Yep. Is it right for anyone? You got to ask yourself, you got to ask, okay, what am I really willing to give of my life to have this pet? And if the answer is everything, then yeah, maybe they're a great pet for you. But if the answer is not your entire life and all of your attention and money, maybe hold up. Yeah. If you're not the kind of person, like if you're the kind of person that's ready to jump onto the next cool thing, Mm -mm. um, or hobby, you know, then, then honestly, a lot of exotic pets are not for you. Like this is very much like reptiles where, right. Unless you're, it is so much more of a commitment than you think. Yes, exactly. You're stuck. Yeah. Okay. They live for 15 years. It's a long time. That's not a hamster that you picked up at Petco. Okay. Like. It's a long time. Not a goldfish, although goldfish also can be surprisingly long-lived. For they should be longer time. lived than than people <laughs> exactly. often Again, help them live to. Recurring thing, right? In show. <laughs> uh, my assumption is that they also need a fair amount of both cage space and out of cage time and enrichment. Friend, you are correct. They need both of those things a lot. Mm -hmm. So when they're out in the wild, their territory is about two acres. Yeah. Acres. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) And they're super territorial too. So when they're in a home, you need to make sure that they have a cage that they can be in when they need to be caged, an enclosure. Um, Mm -hmm. And that enclosure at the absolute minimum for one sugar glider is 20 which you should 20 never have 30 exactly you should never have one so your absolute minimum enclosure should be 40 by 40 by 60 and that's Feet? the oh no inches sorry okay okay no. but I was like Whoa. yeah yeah but, but that's yeah. still a lot and the room of thumb is for sugar gliders you should have a cage that is the biggest that you can afford and have space for Mm-hmm. And anything smaller than that, you shouldn't get it because it's not it's not good no, for your no. And I'll I'll put a note in here, and we've talked about it in our like we've talked about it in some previous episodes that are probably already outdated and needing some updates. Mm. We've talked about it on our uh, reptile care sheets, which I was just looking at the other day, and definitely need some updates. Yay, but fun. there's this there's just this kind of thought process with all exotic pets, be they sugar gliders or reptiles or bird, oh Lord, birds, all birds, birds um, that like we have this minimum standard and the minimum yep. standard up to this point um, is generally still too small. Yes. And even if it wasn't, we should never be thinking about what bare minimum can we provide for these animals? That's such if a great If you can point. just squeeze enough space out for their bare minimum, then take a step back because maybe this is not 
something yep. that fits well into your life because this is a, a live animal that we are complete. These are not domestic animals. Like we no. talked about with chickens last week. These are not animals that depend on people. They do very, very well in their own habitats. And yep. it's up to us if we are going to keep them in captivity to replicate their natural environment as closely as possible. Can you build an Australian forest in your backyard? If so, cool. Awesome. Maybe do it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Consider the other factors first, but then right. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If not, mm-hmm. maybe no, yeah. maybe no. But yeah. Yeah. So another thing to think about too, is that not only are you making that commitment for one sugar glider for 15 years and for two sugar gliders, because you got to have two, mm-hmm. if you end up with a not same sex pairing, you're going to have sugar glider babies. Right. You right? can't spay and neuter your sugar gliders. No, you cannot. And so for every sugar glider pairing, you're going to have like four to, to 10 baby sugar gliders in like the next couple of years. So ah, yeah, you're a sugar glider breeder. And then, <laughs> and then you like, panic and you're overwhelmed and you have to take your sugar gliders to your local humane society or shelter. And they may not be particularly equipped for that particular exotic. Right. Or if you were being sneaky and illegal and you, and it, they Accurate. end up at an animal shelter where they're legally not allowed. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. If they, they have to go on the sugar someone... glider underground railroad, that's right. That's what we do at fair for ferrets here in California. Yep. Yeah. Don't lose your ferrets if you live here because no. uh, every animal shelter worker is very sad to take your pet from you, but we have to. Yeah. And they go on the underground railroad secretly to a place you'll never know out of state to a state where they're legally okay. allowed. <laughs> it is a happy I was ending. thinking it was a farm up state. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's okay. the underground railroad to a state where they're legally allowed, but it's still sad because yeah. you may have taken great care of them. Yeah. It doesn't and matter. You, yeah. It yep. doesn't matter. Yep. Ooh, I could see how I could, that makes so much sense. So especially since it seems like they're such prolific breeders Yep. and they have, they don't have short lifespans. Nope. So So, you could easily get overwhelmed. Yeah. All right. So not only that, but, (laughs) and all of these are things that on the one hand, make them really cute and cool, right? Yeah. Like, it's really cool that they're so social. I love that in animals, but also unknown. I don't need that in my right. in my household. No. Um, but they they are wild animals, right? So if right. you if you want to have them, they're not domesticated. You have to spend time building a bond with them. Mm-hmm. And you have to bond with every single sugar glider you have. Mm-hmm. So if you start off with two sugar gliders, you have to build a bond with each of them separately. Mm-hmm. And depending on how old that sugar glider is and how much socialization it's had, it may take quite a while and it may be pretty tricky. Yeah. This is like really intense bonding too. You have to right. carry them around on your body. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like put them in pouches so that they can be near you all the time. Um, and you, you have, have to chirp be at them. To, I mean, honestly, yeah, you have to be able to interact with them. Um, and you have to know that they're going to bite you. Mm-hmm. They're definitely going to bite you. They're going to crab at you. Um, and so you just really have to take that time and invest that time in building a bond slowly and gaining their trust and letting them get comfortable with you. Mm-hmm. And some of them won't ever be super bonded to you. Right. And at the end of the day, you have a wild animal as a pet still. Yep. So, yep. So you always need to know that that animal could always bite you or decide that it needs like, you to back off. If y'all don't like feral cats. Yep. Maybe don't get a wild, non-domesticated animal. Exactly. So true. <laughs> they're also, even once they're bonded, they're super high maintenance. Mm. So they're, they're one person pets. Once they bond, they bond like, they kind of imprint like baby birds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where they, they fixate on one particular person who's caretaking for them. Yeah. And that's, that's their person. And then like, they are a Velcro pet. That socialization does not generalize to nope. other animals. Exactly right. Yeah. It is to that one person. Mm-hmm. So if Oof. you have a busy household or if you have kids, it's not going to be a good situation for them. Right. They're going to be overwhelmed. Certainly They're gonna be not scared. a family pet. Definitely not a family pet. Not a recommended pet for kids either. They're too small. They're too high maintenance. Yeah. Wild, <laughs> you know. Yes. And they're not the type of wild animal where like, 
um, you could, it would happily live its whole life in, in an enclosure. Right. right. No, you couldn't just let it live its life in a cage. No, it needs to interact with you. Right. So, and like explore and roam. Yes. And, it and needs to exercise get exercise those gliding, yep. soaring skills. Exactly. So not a good thing for kids or for busy bustling households. Right. They also, they want to be with you all the time, but they want to interact with you all the time. They want your attention constantly. They don't just want to sit on you. Nope. So they need to, you need to be in a position where you, um, like have one or two people in the household and you have a ton of time to devote to their entertainment and enrichment. Yeah. Like a chill on your own schedule, work from home job. Right. Right. Exactly. Or a job where it's cool with your boss. If you bring them in. Mm, Sure. Right. I, I don't know anyone that would necessarily be chill with that, but even then that would only work if you had a pair of same sex sugar yep. gliders. Cause if you exactly. started having all kinds of baby sugar gliders, right. you I don't think your boss would want all. you to bring 10 sugar gliders Probably to work with you. Not. Nope. Nope. <laughs> and, and I'm sure it's noted down for you somewhere too, but we already talked about the fact that in the wild, they are mm-hmm. nocturnal. Yes. So we're also fighting against their natural mm-hmm. instincts. Yep. So don't expect a ton of sleep regularly. No, like a baby. I yep. see the parallels. Right. And I don't want it. And <laughs> just like a baby, high maintenance and expensive. Maybe just wait or don't. Yeah. Maybe just, get a cat or a dog. Yeah. Like or a gecko. And be choosy. Be choosy or too. A rat like, or a mouse. They're so right. too. Rats are awesome. I think if you're looking for something yes. cute and interactive and social, yeah, but domesticated and, and you know. Yeah probably rats needs about a similar sized cage. Um, I think rats are a much better option I think that's for you. And honestly, option. they have kind of similar cute little faces. Definitely so. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can that's... definitely tell early on whether you have a pair of same sex. Yes. Yes. Thankfully you can tell. So, so you can, you can prevent uh, similar problems with your nobody rats. wants rat babies. <laughs> okay. I have more reasons that you should be real careful. If you okay. decide that you want to get sugar gliders as pets, the list so, grows, but educate it goes, us. It goes. So, in addition to requiring a lot of space and requiring other sugar gliders in order to thrive, they also um, need a super enriching habitat. Mm-hmm. So, that enclosure, that big, huge enclosure, needs to have toys, it needs to have um, hammocks, perches bedding. It needs to have like ropes that it can pull on and glide from. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might need to think about like how, you, where you want to put it and what you want to put around it, because they definitely are going to pee all over the place. So you're going to have to be cleaning it regularly, but you'll probably also have to clean up like the, the walls that- and floors around. Yep, exactly. They are not so, litter box trainable. They are not. Nope. So that's going to be very expensive. They also have a really complex diet when in captivity that is very expensive because they require not only fresh fruits and veggies, but a variety of fresh fruits and veggies. Right. So you can't just give them like an apple and a grape every single day. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to have a variety of different types of fruits and veggies regularly. So you're going to find so much fruit and veggies. Might be just, just to not be a Debbie Downer for a moment. Like that might be fine if you're the kind of person that regularly has a variety of fresh fruits and vegetables. Exactly. But don't lie. If you're (laughs) like so many of us, we're like, most of your stuff is frozen. You eat a lot of grains because that's cheap though. Uh Um, You eat a lot of meat because that's, you know, or you you just have like ground beef around all the time, that is not going to be sufficient Mm -mm. for your sugar glider. Nope. Nope. But you're totally right. If this is like the type of diet that you eat and you, you like to have those varied types of fruit and veggies around, then that would definitely be way easier to incorporate, um, dietary needs. They also do need specialized pellets. They need Mm -hmm. calcium and other vitamins and they need, um, healthy insects for protein. So gotta love those feeders. Yep. And it's every day. Those dubia roaches in your house. That's right. Those mealworms. We've talked about mealworms. We do love a good mealworm though. Yeah. 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 So again, if you, uh, if you would like a animal that eats like this, may I suggest a bearded dragon? Right. Right. (laughs) Because very similar type of meal, um, way less 
maintenance. Even yeah, and less frequent yes. and a smaller yep. enclosure, you know? Yep. yep. Not that much smaller. But. Not that much smaller, but still, still easier. Okay. Also, these guys can get stanky. Ooh. Yeah. They're pee. They're just normal selves. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't know if you've ever been close to a ferret for much time. I've only ever really been around one or two at a time <laughs> at, uh, at shelters and they're never with us for more than a few days. So. Yeah. So same for me. I haven't been in close, close quarters, but I do know they're, they're known for being incredibly stinky. They are. Yes. Unless you descent them. Yep. Right. So I was lucky enough to, um, to be able to have a, uh, virtual visit to the Oakland zoo, which was Ooh, super, super fun. Yeah. Um, and they talked a lot with, with me and my students about, um, ferrets and their ferret colony. And one of the things that we talked a lot about was their smell. And some people actually like the smell of ferrets. And it's the same thing with sugar gliders. They have a really pronounced smell. Some people, it doesn't bother. Some people, it bothers a lot. Mm. So you really got to think about like, what is the smell? Can I tolerate it? It's been described as, um, okay. So one of the videos I watched was really great. And it, we'll link it in our social media. Um, it described the sugar glider smell as someone tried to make a fruit scented car deodorizer and failed. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like car deodorizer smells like <laughs> no. at all. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that it would not be it probably wouldn't be your not thing. Be the vibe for me. Nope. Nope. So that's just their, their, their natural smell, right. From their glands. Um, but they also mark and protect their territory with urine. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're going to be doing a lot of regular cleaning. Um, you can kind of do some, some navigating of the the smells of your particular pet sugar gliders, um, by having really specific diets, different diets can help keep the smell down. Um, Mm -hmm. temperature can impact the smell too. And like their, their stress or their happiness levels. Um, so some people will tell you that their sugar glider colony barely has a smell at all. Mm -hmm. Other people will tell you that their friends' sugar glider colonies have very, very noticeable smells. You know, it's, it's, I think it also like prepared for. I also feel like when you live with things like my house smells neutral most of the time until I smell something that's not neutral, but other people will come to my house and be like, even your neutral smell is it's a smell, man. You have dogs and cats and we can (laughs) smell. And I'm like, really? (laughs) Like I, so, you know, you, you learn to live with even, you can learn to live around even the most strong of a sense. So totally. Yeah. They just, it's going to pro and a con. You you want people to come to your house? (laughs) I mean, if you don't, and we are in a pandemic, so (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Something to think about. Okay. So another thing with that odor and with the secretions, you do have to carry sugar gliders around with you at least while you're bonding with them. And a lot of people keep their sugar gliders with them all the time. You carry them in little like zippered pouches. Um, those zippered pouches are usually not waterproof. Gross. Yeah. So they're just like peeing on you all the time. Yeah. So some people have methods of um, uh, like getting getting their sugar gliders on a schedule mm-hmm. <laughs> so that they can try to avoid um, having excretions right. um, happen when they're in the pouch, but you know what? It's not going to be foolproof, right? It's an it's, animal when it's got to go, it's got to go. Exactly. And I will like uh, uh, being pooped and peed on, whether yep. it be kitten or chicken or skink, God skink oh, or so corn nasty. snake. Mm. <laughs> also nasty. <laughs> Disgusting. Yep. Not, not the funnest. Not fun. Having to change your entire outfit yep. because you have been yep. excreted on Yep, is a no-go so for me. That's another thing to keep in mind. And then one final thing that I think is really important to think about is that sugar gliders are becoming more common, but they're not super common yet. So if your sugar gliders were to get sick or um, if you wanted to take them to, um, to do just a checkup, you're not going to be easily able to find every single vet in your area able to care for sugar gliders. Right. So Even an exotics to, vet, yep, you know, because exactly. that's one thing to think about with all your exotic pets is that when you find an exotic veterinarian, 
unlike a veterinarian that maybe treats dogs, cats, maybe rabbits, or a lot of veterinarians specialize in dogs or cats or dogs and cats, you know? Um, But then when you go to an exotics veterinarian, they're seeing hundreds and thousands of different species ranging from tiny geckos up to giant parrots. And that Mm -hmm. all falls under the umbrella of exotic animal medicine. They cannot be experts in everything. Even if they are willing to treat your sugar glider, chances are that a lot of what they're doing to help you, they're learning as they go because they've probably never seen a sugar glider before and they're not experts in it. So that being said, uh, if you are an exotic pet owner, please don't ever discount veterinary assistance Definitely. just because you automatically assume that experience keepers know more. Experience keepers have not gone to veterinary school. They don't yep. know the basics of animal anatomy and medicine. So it's important to have both resources and knowledge at your disposal from experienced keepers and a veterinarian willing to work with you and help, but it's still a risk you run that there's just a lot that they can't do. So for me, if I were ever to get sugar gliders, which I would not, I have too many other commitments. Um, I can see, I can, like, I can understand, um, a life in which if you were really, really invested in sugar gliders and you like, that was your thing. And you wanted to make sugar gliders a huge component of your life. I think I could see how you could be really happy with a small colony of sugar gliders. Right. I think it would be really all consuming. Um, and for me, I have too many other things going on and right. I like them to see other people having and right. Right. But if I were ever going to get one, I would make sure first that I did have a vet in the area that I knew who would be comfortable seeing my sugar gliders. Cause yeah, first and foremost, yeah, I just you never want to get an animal and then have to figure out what to do with it when it's no, too scary. And mm-hmm. that stuff's not going to come cheap. So no. all of these things are going to add up. So if you, you know, like I said, it would be a huge part of your life to start a sugar glider colony. It would become at least half your identity. Just yeah. know that. Like, and I think that like for some people, it'd be really, really cool. And I can yeah. see them being really happy and their sugar gliders being really happy. Yeah. For me, no, thank you. <laughs> it's like, I, I fight against the cat lady, cat person label because mm-hmm. you can have a cat and that does not have to be your entire personality. I mean, do some people make it their whole personality? Sure. Sure. Um, but it does not have to be your whole personality. Yeah. But when you get into owning exotic pets with high yes. needs, extremely high maintenance, like if, and even not, not exotic pets, but when you own agility dogs or yes. working dogs or Absolutely. sports dogs. That becomes a major part of your life. That's going to be, you're going to be thinking about it all the time. You're going to be setting up your routine around that. You're going to be calculating your budget around that. You're going to be making like life decisions around that. And sugar gliders will be one of those. Therefore you become a sugar glider person. Yeah. A bird person. Yep. A reptile person. Like it just, you you know, (laughs) it's you, it becomes part of a a huge permanent part of your life. It's not the kind of pet you get just to have companionship for yourself because these are not companion animals. Right. They're wild animals. So yeah. you fit their needs, not yes. the other way around. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was a really good way of putting that. So I hope this episode helps people think about, because I've seen a lot of posts recently of people just kind of becoming aware of sugar gliders as mm-hmm. pets Yeah, asking, oh, is that a good pet to have? Like what's, yeah. what's the deal here? So I hope this answers some questions and helps you figure out whether that would be a good match for you or if maybe like maybe rats, right? Maybe check out some rats. Yeah. Like I'm going to go ahead and say that from what we've learned here at CritterCast today, mm-hmm. our, our answer is going to be generally no. Yep. But here's some information. And if you really feel like it's a good fit for you and you're legally allowed to and you're and you're financially ready and prepared, then we wish you the best of luck. Please send us all your pictures because yes. we do think they're adorable and we absolutely, absolutely. want to geek out over them. Yeah. yeah. But now knowing how closely they bond with one person, I will kind of kiss my dreams goodbye of ever being able to smooch one. But, I have seen know. one before. I ran into this lady. Um when I was visiting a canyon in Colorado, Black Canyon, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful big canyon. And she was walking around with a pouch mm-hmm. and she was talking into the pouch. And I, of course, had a couple of moments where I was like, hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. But then what I said, be? excuse me, ma'am, 
do you happen to have sugar gliders in there? <laughs> and she said, yes. Would you like to see them? Heck yes. I wanted to see them. <laughs> they were super cute, but yeah, they didn't want to see me. No, <laughs> no. I and was not going like, to get to pet them. <laughs> no, but you got to see them. I did get cool. to see them. It was fun. And they went. Oh my goodness. Well, here at CritterCast, we thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to today, our 63rd episode. We hope that you guys are really enjoying season two so far. You know, we're having a blast. Um, not this next episode that we, uh, that we record and produce, but a few episodes later, we are going to start hearing some guest hosts. We have some really cool guest hosts lined up for season two already. Oh We've got Hidden Wings and Bloodlust coming Yay. back on the show because we mm-hmm. loved having them last time and we'll, we'll have them again. We are looking at a collab um, like where they come to our show and we go to their show for Just the Zoo of Us, another really cool Ooh. animal podcast. Very fun. And we're also looking at having Waffles and Mario on the show, oh, we which love is waffles. A, a New Zealand-based um, improv podcast, which is I think <laughs> awesome. they, they'd like to be on the show too. So we're working out all those collabs. Lots of cool stuff. And it will all, of course, continue to just talk about cool animals with cool people. Our favorite thing. (laughs) We're just having a lot of fun here at CritterCast, and we hope you are too. If you guys are looking for more CritterCast, more of season two, going back to those original episodes of season one, keeping in mind that we all grow, our equipment gets better, our knowledge gets better, (laughs) all that stuff. Um, Just, you know, be kind to us. You can find all of our episodes and everything you ever want to know about us and what we're all about on our website, CritterCastPodcast.com. Or you can stream all of our episodes on any of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. Cassie, where do you like to listen to podcasts? Well, I like to listen on Spotify, but so many people like to listen on Apple Podcasts, on Podcatcher, or on any other of your Mm go-to podcast apps. And you can find us on all those places. We are everywhere. We're following you. We know where you live and we're in your house. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) We don't go quite that far. However, we are in your pocket on your phone, (laughs) on all your favorite social media apps. We're always with you. (laughs) So if you're ever just feeling a little down, scroll on over to one of our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook as CritterCast. You can find us on Instagram at CritterCastPodcast. Or you can find us on Twitter at Cast Critter. And if you are watching YouTube videos because you are overwhelmed with your choices on Netflix and, and HBO Max and Hulu and, and Disney Plus, and you just need to just turn on YouTube, you can also find us on YouTube at CritterCast. So That's right. If you miss being in large groups of people in big crowded arenas, Go and watch some of our reptile, our reptile walkthroughs. Exactly. <laughs> it's you'll it'll be like you're there. You'll, you'll feel cringe at the lack of masks. <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll feel cry. the sweat rolling off people. It'll be great. <laughs> it'll be delicious. It'll be great. And if you're looking at, you know, looking into caring for an exotic pet, take a take a look at our website, which we already said, but it's crittercastpodcast.com. We are going to be revamping a little bit of our um our website just bit by bit so just like check in regularly check it out and see see what's going on there right hey Karina what if someone really liked our show and wanted to represent that that love I mean if they really loved our show yeah and they loved all of our critters that are part of our critter cast Mm -hmm. crew um, they could hop on over to our Redbubble page, which is linked on our website. So you can find it super easy and purchase some awesome merch. We have yes. all kinds of cool designs, some with inside jokes from the show. If you've got a favorite episode, some with just featuring our awesome critters, all with artwork featured, uh, all with artwork by our lovely friend, Zara art by Zara also linked on our website. Um, and lots of cool stuff there. And you can get t-shirts or hats or mugs or notebooks, phone cases. I had a Barbara Mermity phone case for so long. I it loved so it. Cute. That love was my fabulous. Barbara Mermity. Um, so there's lots of cool stuff on there. When should people come and check back again for our next, next episode? Absolutely. We upload episodes every other Tuesday. So if you're hearing this, hang tight, listen to our old episodes, enjoy. And in, in two weeks, you'll hear from us again. Yay. That's it for us here at CritterCast today. We love and and thank you so much for listening. We mm-hmm. know that our CritterCast listeners are the sort of people 
who carefully make decisions before bringing new pets into their home and don't impulse bring home uh, Kenyan Sambos from Reptile Expos that actually end up being really awesome pets. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Make good choices. Make good choices, (laughs) Make good choices. Plan ahead. (laughs) See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile. This is the Critter Cast podcast.